Hi everyone, it's your girl Alyssa here, just letting you know that we are practicing what we preach, listening to our bodies, and taking a short break. Instead of a full episode, we have some of the lost tapes from episode 5, Lord Take the Wheel, where I give my full breakdown of the documentary You Belong to Me, Sex, Race, and Murder in the South. As a content warning, there are mentions of sexual abuse, victim blaming, and intimate partner violence. We'll be back on November 11th with a brand new episode, but in the meantime, you can keep in touch with us on Instagram at Zora's Daughters and Twitter at Zora's underscore daughters. As always, thanks so much for your support and be kind to yourselves. Speak soon. going to go too deep into it i feel like you know if you read it and you have questions feel free to you know shoot us emails and one of the things that i do want to highlight in the essay that um that i think would be pertinent to this conversation is is me asserting that like black women and girls like we've been talking right and who hears us right which one of us which ones of us are heard and it's typically those with class skin color, you know, pretty and thin privilege who get hurt. And even then it's through this distortion of racism that fetishizes, you know, these women and girls. Um, and that's the only way that people will be able to hear, you, you know, your black ass is like through this like fetishization of, oh, well, you're this kind of black or you're this kind of person. But Lord tells us in this essay She says, and where the words of women are crying to be heard, we must each we must each of us recognize our responsibility to seek those words out, to read them and share them and examine them in their pertinence to our lives. So in even in this moment, she's making a call to be listened to and to be heard and for us to listen to each other and to take silence and transform it into a type of action that allows us not just to you know, sit around and listen and be heard. Like we're not here to, to tell stories, right? It's, it's, it's to transform the world in which we live. Um, and so that point to the political, I think is also very important. I think that, that this really, this brings me nicely into this documentary that I said, oh, we should watch this for the podcast. And then I watched it and I was like, actually, nah, don't watch it. <laughs> I was but like, I think- okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called You Belong to Me, Sex, Race, and Murder in the South. It was, it's a documentary from 2014. And the story in itself is very interesting. The documentary, on the other hand, is it's a little sketchy. So <laughs> in 1952 in Live Oak, Florida, this black woman, one of the richest black women in the state at the time, Ruby McCullum, she walked into her white doctor's office and shot him four times in the back. So... In this documentary, you know, they're calling it an unsilencing. They want to tell, tell the story, tell Ruby's story. Um, because, you know, there's, there's a debate about why she did it. And it's, a, it's actually a story that continues to resonate in Live Oak today. People still kind of feel like the weight of it. And so they speak to a lot of people, her family, her friends, descendants of some of the like major characters, we'll say. And even a juror who was on the jury during her trial and so, you know, they're all trying to understand why she did this. And so it's revealed that she was a mistress. 
But then there are different like perspectives. It's like, what does it mean to be a mistress in 1950s? In the 1950s South as a black woman, can you really be Mm. a mistress? Like, Mm. does she have the choice to say no to a powerful white man in that time? I don't think so. Was she, Mm -hmm. then there were some suggestions that she was addicted to drugs that he was giving her and all of these other things. So it, it was, it was a little bit like, it was a little bit crazy. So, but I think that, silencing actually really does run through the documentary. So Ruby, she testifies in her defense and throughout the trial, she and her lawyer are silenced on so much that they're trying to say that they're trying to do throughout Mm -hmm. the trial. They make the point that um, the prosecution made 49 objections. So to whatever the defense Ruby and her lawyer were presenting and 41 of them were sustained. So that means that they had to stop saying what they were saying or going along a certain line of questioning or whatever. So she was unable to speak her truth. And then her lawyer asks whether her youngest child, who's visibly mixed race, can be submitted as evidence of the sexual relationship. The judge is like, no, that is probably, I don't know if he said this, but he was probably like, it's more prejudicial than probative. So no, my favorite line from Law and Order. (laughs) So the judge denies the this this request i'm sure there's a more lawyerly term for that but ruby's sister-in-law holds the baby up anyways she's one years old i think at the time um you know she's sitting up in the gallery the coloreds only gallery um holds the baby up and then the judge is like no don't look he instructs the jury not to look and so it's just such a metaphor for this Mm. long history of of rape and sexual abuse of black women and then the way that America will turn a blind eye to it, they'll ignore the fact that white women have been abusing black women since the earliest days of the United States. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's just some like questionable stuff happening in it. There's, they interview this white woman who's like, oh, Ruby must have felt honored to be chosen by this important man. And that just pissed me off. But anyways. <laughs> honored. Oh, yes. I'm honored that he chose to coerce uh, me into Yeah. Like, okay. Exactly. Already. Just and the other thing, the other connection that we have here is that Zora Neale Hurston plays a very important and interesting role in in this whole story. She's hired by the Pittsburgh Courier. It's a very popular African-American newspaper at the time. And so they hire her to cover the story. And that made it a national story. It was being covered more than just in the city and in the state. And so people from all over the country were coming down to like go to this trial where this, you know, wealthy black woman shot this white doctor. But then eventually the newspaper finds out that Zora Neale Hurston was making up quotes. And so like making up quotes that made it seem like she had actually been speaking to Ruby McCollum, but the judge actually denied uh, Hurston access. And this was also like toward the end of her life, you know, when she's kind of desperate and she's really trying to secure the bag. Yes, because the Academy left her destitute. (laughs) Yep. So she gets fired. But then she writes to a friend, this white man. He's a journalist, William Bradford Huey, and he starts covering the story. That helps Ruby get a retrial because she's about to be sentenced to death. The documentary, actually, in this sense, was pretty good because they were like, oh, no, 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 this wasn't white saviorism. This white man writing about the story that helps her get a retrial the doc makes it clear that like he wasn't a good person. He didn't give a fuck about Ruby. He was just mm-hmm, like, this is some interesting mm-hmm. human conflict. <laughs> so yeah. But anyways, 
So I won't, I won't reveal the end if anyone does want to watch it, but, um, you know, the documentary was meant to be this unsilencing for Ruby, the opportunity for her story to be told. Mm-hmm. But the documentary really she seemed to like show all sides, you know? And I think that when you're neutral or, ta- or showing all sides in situations of oppression, you're taking the side of the oppressor. So they're like, yes, ma- they're, they're perpetuating the myth of the doctor being a good man. They're making Ruby seem like a Jezebel. I mean, not the, not the, producer and the director themselves Mm -hmm. but obviously the people that they're speaking to and then it's like make up your own mind about what happened and it's like no it's pretty obvious what happened a black woman in the 1950s doesn't just snap and shoot a white man for no reason but the thing that I wanted to say the thing that that I think really resonates with our topic today is actually something Zora Neale Hurston wrote about the about the case she said that the truth of this case lies on the other side of silence Mm. And I think mm. that we can, I think that's true about a lot of life. Mm. You know, Zora, she be coming through with the, with the quotables, mm-hmm. man. Um, yep. <laughs> like a true black feminist thinker. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for telling me about it. I actually am glad that I did not watch this. I would have been like, amen. Um, but <laughs> we should, I mean, yeah. But it reminds me of the story uh, that I read in my summer research about these Black women and, like, a Black woman in South Carolina being killed. She moved to Baltimore, and she was killed at 24 by her Black male dentist boss. Mm. And the story said that they were engaged, but he Mm. he was married to another woman. How much of that was like an actual engage, you know, was he engaged or was he just pursuing her? Yeah. And so they thought that he killed her because she ended the ended the relationship. And it's like right. she probably just turned this man down. But mm-hmm. actually, you know, I think it I think it would actually be interesting for you to watch. I think that you'll like see different things than than I did. And and one of the interesting Hearts is so her husband i'm telling this this was like a multifaceted this could have been a mini series but the her husband so he is part of the reason that she's wealthy um he's running this like bolita lottery gambling ring thing and so it turns out that he's paying off dr adams dr adams is he's he's like on the florida senate or something so he's protecting the mccullum family and then getting payoffs. And then the day that Ruby uh, kills the doctor, he, Sam McCullum, the husband, he just like throws all of their money in a suitcase, gives it to some of his family, and then like flees the city, flees the town. And then they don't know what happened. They're not sure because he was alone, but they think that he killed himself by like overdosing on his, on his heart medication. And it's like, what? Niggas are useless. (laughs) So then another theory is that he was basically pimping Ruby out to to the doctor, to the to Doctor Adam, and killed himself out of guilt. And then and then who who knows? But he was about to get like he was tied up in this whole thing. It's probably his fucking fault. She was being raped, like all this shit. It was just it's. It is an absolute the documentary made things seem a bit like a shit show yeah it was it was wild 
And then, and then there was another woman. They were, they were school, they were school friends. And she was like, oh, you know, Ruby really fucked things up for her family. Basically, that's what she's saying. She's like, Ruby really messed shit up for her family. You know, if she had just kept quiet and not killed this doctor, she'd be like living and rich and fine now. Oh, yeah. If only she had not been coerced into this relationship. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just, it speaks to the whole Jezebel stereotype and, yeah. you know, that black women can't truly be raped. And I think that that was not properly addressed or spoken to <sighs> the judge telling people not to look at that obvious evidence mm-hmm. something what's going on yeah yep. it's all a metaphor man a yo metaphor. what is life <laughs> what is life what yep. is it <laughs>